Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 47. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to talk about how we have a perspective issue, but scripture helps us see our lives more appropriately. And I'm Tom, and I am also a Dodger fan. Yeah, you are. So listen to what we have to say, because that has given us (laughs) wisdom. All of that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Pastor Tom, thank you for taking the time. It's my pleasure. 47, that's how old I am, Jackson, so that's pretty cool. You represent 47 well. Well, that's what I'm identifying as a 47-year-old. Is it closer to your age or closer to how long you worked at HTC? (laughs) It's probably closer to how long you worked at HTC. Yes, I'm I'm just regular Tom now, so... Good. Well, we're glad that you're with us, and it was fun having you back in action this weekend as well. Yeah, that was fun. And um, you said people have been asking how you've been, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of like they're a little worried about you or something, you know? So tell them, have you been bored? You know, like, are you just sitting there like, man, I have got got nothing to do, or are you staying busy? Staying busy. Okay. Yeah, we're very busy. And uh, of course, we've got this new thing we're working on now. And uh, different opportunities, like this weekend to speak at HDC, and anytime we have the chance to teach the Bible to anyone, but especially our church family, it's an honor. It's a good and time. So it was a great time, and I appreciate the the opportunity to uh, be a guest teacher now. And uh, yet, it still felt uh, still felt good. Yeah. And, and it's you know, Cheryl and I would tell you, honestly, this is our church. So yeah. We're 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 pleased to be able to still say that. Yeah. yeah. And we've heard from a lot of different teachers so far in our Esther series, just kind of about the, um, you know, because Esther is a different book. It's a different type of book to pick to do a sermon series in, the whole thing. What are some like, as you heard, hey, we're doing a series in Esther and you're going to teach on chapter three, chapter four, chapter yeah, four. four. And um, as you heard that, what were some of the parallels that stood out in your mind between what's going on in Esther's story and what's going on today? Yeah, you know, uh, I think any pastor or any teacher of, uh, of the Bible given an assignment in a book like Esther would start salivating because it's such a great story. Yeah. It's such a compelling story. And, and so those for us, those of us who, who teach that way, um, we love it. So chapter four, when the assignments were handed down and uh, I was fortunate enough to, to lock in on chapter four, I thought that's, that's amazing. I mean, the, it is, that's the chapter. Yeah. You know, it's that statement of uh, maybe God put you here for such a time as this. That's, that statement is in chapter four, but yeah. that is really the, the tipping point on which the whole story kind of leans. So... Um, that was good, uh, but it, it's funny because today the world is so jacked up, and especially those of us who uh, might be um, more biblical in our thinking and uh, conservative in our social views, we look at what's going on with such fear. Mm. And then we remember that Solomon was right. There really is nothing new under the sun. The world has always been sideways, yeah. And throughout history, it it's just it's just been that way in some way, shape, or form. And so I I, I appreciate the fact that uh, even looking back at the plight of the Jewish remnant in Persia, their responsibility, the 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 difficulty, the um, 
the importance of representing God's uh, agenda in, mm. in that world um, kind of allows us the chance to say, well, at least we should be able to represent God's agenda in ours because ours, as bad as it seems to us, Man, it's nothing like how bad it was then. Yeah, we don't. We're not living under a leader who just, you know, rubber stamped genocide right yeah, now. Yeah, that's right. That's I mean, a... we and we could probably frame up, you know, our government in a lot of different ways, and and whether it's the competence is the conversation or decadence is the conversation or whatever, you just pile it all up, and we'll pick our government. To Xerxes, the Persian king, in yeah, the day. yeah. So, yeah, I there's think something it's, I, comforting there. Yeah, yeah, I think it's encouraging. At least it is to me to be able to say we can do this, you guys. Yeah, we can stand for what's right. I feel like the the Bible tends to do a great job of giving us, helping us with our perspective, because we have real perspective issues just as human beings, because we can see in such a finite space that, man, we just think whatever is happening right now is the most important thing that has ever happened ever. And we forget that there are thousands of years of human beings who have lived, who thought that their thing was the most important thing ever. Like this is a weird parallel, but my wife's pregnant right now, so she's real tired. Right. And uh, she's just been wanting to lay down and watch TV. When the baby comes, you'll be real tired. I'll be real tired. I'm getting ready for that. And uh, one of the things that we've been doing while we've been sitting around is watching Downton Abbey, which she just is loving. And I'm along for the ride. It's a great story. I'm locked in at this point. But all I can think as I watch these guys is they're like, you know, they're like, it starts right before the First World War and all through there. And it just feels like it's the biggest, most important things going on in their life. And I'm like sitting there kind of chuckling at them because it seems like these are such small deals. And like they're freaking out about cars being a thing. And it's like, oh, you guys have no idea. Like they'll drive themselves one day. Like this is crazy. And then then I'm sitting there thinking about my own life and I'm thinking, I think I got the same issue. Like the same issue that these people at Downton Abbey had where it's like the sky is falling over all of these things. It's like, I'm forgetting there's some perspective issues that I've got going on. Do you want me to start speaking in my uh, British accent now? (laughs) Make Uh, me a little more comfortable. Yeah, make you more. No, it's true. And um, the world, and we're part of this, the world is so used to solving problems in about an hour and 57 minutes, you know, the length of of a movie. And you've got conflict. You've got people that you like that you kind of fall in love with, and they got this conflict, and then it's resolved. By the time you walk out of the theater, or the time you turn off your, you know, your TV, uh, everybody's happy again. Yeah. And life is not that way, man. It takes a while, and and so you do have to step back from your circumstance. Right now, our country, uh, maybe a family, maybe an individual going through a very difficult season. You have to step back and try to look at the big picture. And we have, that's the beauty of Esther. We have hindsight and we're, we're able to, in just a few chapters, see that God is still pretty good at uh, doing his thing and fulfilling his purpose in history and he'll fulfill his purpose in our life too. Yeah, 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 we miss even how long the story of Esther takes. There is a lot of years in between chapter one and the end of the book. I mean, it's a, that's a long story that's being told. And, you know? and and even, you know, last weekend when Pastor Todd was up there and he was talking about the in chapter three and the the rivalry, you know, between Haman and Mordecai and the story, I think he referred to it as the story and the story and the story, and he went all the way back. It was a brilliant message, by the way. You know, props to Pastor Todd, but 
uh, was able to see that this is personal for these guys. Yeah. But again, it's not just that time in Persian history, going all the way back to early Jewish history, Yeah. way, way back in the Old Testament to see how this thing began. And uh, so it, it's, it takes a while. God is, uh, he's not slow. Uh, he's always right on time, but we are so anxious and we're so used to having things fixed and, yeah. you know, getting, even I pulled into Chick-fil-A the other day and they got the two lines right. And uh, for whatever reason, one line was really long and there was nobody in the other line. I thought it was closed. I thought I'm taking a chance. Yeah. I went right to the front of the line. I don't know why anybody else didn't get another <laughs> lane. But I'm thinking this is a great day this because I'm able to get my chicken like really fast. Yeah. And that's how we want. We want our, <laughs> just mixing metaphors here, but yeah. we want our chicken fast. Yeah. So. Yeah. God's not slow. He just doesn't care about our timelines. Right. You know, he's yeah, not. He's not locked into our timeline. No. And we just. He's okay. Yeah. 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 So. In, in chapter 4, we see Esther and this kind of continued example of what you called winsomeness, which is probably, that's the best way to really describe yeah. her. She's very winsome. She just has a way that she wins everybody over right. that she ends up hang, spending any amount of time with. They're just like, wow, Esther's awesome. Yeah. And as you're talking about that, I'm sitting there thinking, there's got to be people listening who are thinking like, people just don't like me. <laughs> I'm not very winsome. Right. Is that like a personality? Yeah, and they'd be accurate. They'd be accurate. Good self-awareness. Props yes, to them. Maybe. Yeah, but so if that's the case, is that winsomeness a personality trait that Esther has, or is that a result of following God, of of being in close proximity to Him? That there's something about your life that is winsome. Yeah, it's a that's a great question, and I'm not a a, a, a psychologist, so I, I'm have to defer to others who may know more about personality traits. But I would say that um, our weaknesses and our strengths are exact or can be described the same way. Mm. Um, I don't know if Esther was laid back or if she was uh, manic in her personality. I don't know. But she was able to leverage that in a winsome way. Mm. And for example, you could have somebody who's laid back and you'd look at that as a weakness, say they're lazy. Or you could look at somebody who's laid back and say, wow, that's really a strength of theirs. They're able to just kind of kick back and evaluate, not get too excited, not get too yeah. you know, weird or There's two sides to that coin. Yes, yeah. and everything. And you could look at my life or your life and you could look at our personality traits and you, depending on our level of maturity, mm. and that's the key. Mm. And, and how committed to using what God has made us to be, if he's given us personality traits, he's given those to us so that as they mature, we become more winsome. Hmm. And some people who are a little edgy, almost a little um, sarcastic, very winsome to me because they're able to use that in a positive way. And then yeah. others who are, are more aloof, they also can be very winsome hmm. because they speak into the moment at the right time in the right way, and uh, they never seem anxious or worried. And so it really depends on, on finding out, you know, what your personality traits are, and then saying, Lord, how can, I, how can I mature? How can that trait become a mature um, expression hmm. of your grace to the people around me? So inversely, would you say that offensiveness mm -hmm. is almost a sign of immaturity? 
Well, it could be, but it, it might not be the fact that you're immature. It might be the fact that the receiver is immature. Mm. And so, again, there's immaturity there's, somewhere in offensiveness. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it has to be pretty, pretty gnarly to, to, be, to have legitimate offense. Um, I think most of the times we're offended by people. It's pretty petty. Yeah. You know, it's our insecurity or their insecurity or our immaturity or their immaturity, probably a combination of both. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if a couple of mature people are in the conversation, there really should not be personal offense. Yeah. And I, I, I tell pastors the same thing. You know, now we're working with a lot of other church, uh, other church leaders and pastors. And I say, don't think, don't take things personally. And, and the idea is conflict in the congregation. And I tell them, don't take things personally because it's probably not personal. Mm. And in fact, most of the time in churches, it's a structure problem not a personality problem. Hmm. And so fix the structure, but you can't do that if you get all bent out of shape. And, and you it get mad at becomes people. personal. Yeah, yeah, if you make it personal, then it's it's harder to get it back. Yeah, so, and even as you were talking, and so much of this story is very, um, it elevates this oikos principle that and, yeah. God is always working through relationships, right. and it's about, uh, it's about who you know and where, where you've been supernaturally and strategically placed. And winsomeness, is really the bedrock of the Oikos principle. Yeah. Like God can put you in all the right places, but if you're not mature enough to be winsome in right. those places, then you're not going to be very effective in those relationships. It, it's like that line, and I didn't come up with it. I, I, you, you know, it was earlier in the series, and I'm sorry, I can't remember which of our teachers uh, said it first. But personal humility leads to public favor. Mm. And I, I resurrected that this last weekend because yeah. I thought that was such a powerful line that that personal humility is really the key to winsomeness. And that brings public favor. People like humbled people, mm. uh, you know, so I, I've always, uh, I've never had a hard time thinking too highly of myself because I'm, I'm pretty uh, in tune with who I am. <laughs> You know, my own, you know, weakness and my own sinfulness and my own ineptness. And so just remaining humble is is, is something that I don't think should be very hard for any of us. Yeah. But uh, if you can do that, people are going to like you. Yeah. And how would you say we can either grow in, I, I think that's even a great layer underneath. Humility is really what fuels our winsomeness. How would you say if somebody's coming away from this, like, man, I'm really not very winsome in my relationships right now, and I can see that yeah. that's hindering what God missionally wants to do in my relationships. How, how could we grow in our humility and winsomeness? Yeah, I love this. We're off the grid now, but I love this um, kind of a conversation because you have to decide, who am I going to allow to speak into my life? Mm. You know, that's a good question. I could ask you, you could ask me, we could ask anybody watching. Who is your guy or your gal or your couple or your people that if they say something, I take it at face value. I don't push back. I don't argue. I don't get defensive. I believe in them. Mm. I believe they have my back. They have my best interest at heart, and they know me. And they love the Lord, and they'll speak to me honestly. And when I hear from them, I'll believe it. Mm. You'd be amazed. Well, you wouldn't be amazed. You're a pastor. I, I think a lot of people would be amazed at how few Christians could name someone readily mm. that they have that kind of esteem for and they place that kind of trust and faith in. you got to have somebody mm. 
who is able to come in and step in into your life and say, yeah, you, 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 you're not, <laughs> this is why you're struggling. Yeah. And, and you trust and you them enough trust them. to speak objectively Yes, that you're not, because I think that's where we trip up in advice that people give us or directions that they point us in is then we start to come in with all the caveats like, well, they don't really know this situation that well or what, and we come up so, with all these excuses and then we're punting our own growth. And Esther's a prime example of this because as we read throughout the story, uh, even to the point we are at the end of chapter four, she listens to people. That's the key. She's mm. willing to listen. She's willing to be led in her life. And, you know, I think of, you know, going back, I think it was chapter two and, you know, the whoever the handlers of these girls are trying to figure out who is going to be the next queen. Every one of those ladies were beautiful or they wouldn't even been entered in the contest. Yeah. They all had a charmingness to them. Why did Esther rise to the top of that class? Mm. Why was she the one picked? It wasn't because she was beautiful. And, and that's what the text says. She was beautiful. She was uh, attractive. But, but that they doesn't all were. stick out from the crowd. Yeah, they yeah. all were. Or, or they wouldn't have been in the group. They wouldn't have made the final cut. So they wouldn't have made the finals. So I'm, I'm thinking there was something really special about her. Mm. And I think there was just this attitude of humility and this willingness to be used by God. Uh, and obviously, God placed her in that position for such a time as that. Hmm. She wasn't perfect. That culture was not perfect. There was a lot of sketchy stuff going on. Uh, she may have been drawn into some of that stuff. That was the world she was in. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, she had, she was almost like, you know, we described King David. We know King David had his issues. Yeah. But he was a man after what? God's, God's own, own heart. heart. And I think Esther had a heart for God. And when push came to shove, she did the right thing. Hmm. And she pushed back. She was scared, just like you and me. Yeah. But eventually she stepped up. And that's all God asks of any of us. Yeah. One thing that you and I have in common in our stories is that we both have grown up with incredibly respectable dads. Yes. Would you say that you've always had that person in your life because you had your dad in your life to begin with? that was like, I'm going to trust whatever he says and where he points me from an early age. And then eventually you supplemented that with other voices as you grew up and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I would say that. I think that there are, uh, you know, my dad, as a young, and you know this, as a as a boy or a young man, he's going to speak into your life whether you like it or not. So there is a little bit. It's I in the relationship. my father. Yeah. But then as you become a man, and I grew up too, or... In the process of growing up, <laughs> you and, and me I, both, and I had to make a decision. Yeah, I'm still going to listen to my dad. Yeah, he's worthy of my trust. Yeah, and every kid, I would imagine, you know, ladies are the same way. It's it's just a decision that we have to make. Who do you trust? Now, you know, with my father, even when he was alive, you know, we didn't have cell phones, and we weren't living in the same region, and so our connections weren't as Frequent. As, uh, frequent is, you know, we have the op opportunity to stay connected today. But I had the pastors here. Yeah. I mean, I had, uh, I had access to great friends, godly people. You got to find those people. Yeah. And I, if you're, if you're listening or watching this and you're wondering, how do I find them? Pray, ask God, I need some, I need, 
I need a board of directors here. Yeah. And uh, he I won't keep them from you. Yeah. It's like, no, I don't want you. I want you to be on your own here. Yeah. And he will, he'll provide them. But you, the bottom line, and Jackson, you know this, the bottom line is you could have the right people speaking into your life, but if you're just going to be an arrogant yeah, person and not listen to them, yeah. they're going to move on. That is like the best way to identify pride in your own life is to say, am I willing to listen to other people? Yes. Because I think pride, one of the best litmus tests for it in our own life is that we start to think it's everybody else, but it's not me. You know, like every, everybody else is a dummy, but I get it. I'm the only one who sees this clearly <laughs> and everybody else, they don't get it, man, right. but I get it. And right. it's like, is it everybody or is it you, man? Like, are you the problem? See, when those people would speak to me, and they still do, and I got these men of God who still are my good friends, and I'm not their, I'm not their boss anymore in, on the, in the organization, but our relationship hasn't changed at all. Yeah. That's the sign of a healthy relationship uh, because we're still as close as we've ever been. But um, when I don't agree with them on something, honestly, Jackson and... I, this is so, this is so true. I hope I tell you the truth about anything, but this is going to sound weird. I, I'll go back even now. I got my, still got a little office here to, you know, work in and we have a conversation. I don't agree with something one of them said. I'll go back to my office and say, what's wrong with me? Hmm. Because I trust that guy so much and I believe he's led by God so clearly. I must be missing it. And that really is the beginning of humility, mm. that you'd be willing to say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Yeah. And see if there is any unclean or uh, ungodly or immature way in me. Yeah. And guide me on the way everlasting. Yeah. Because this is what I take out of that passage, getting back to King David. This is a long road. The way everlasting is a long road. It never stops. It's not quick. So whatever we do today is going to matter for a while. Yeah. So I, if I got something in my life that is keeping me from being winsome, keeping me from representing God well, the sooner I figure this out, the better for everybody. Yeah. And I think you, you pointed out this weekend too, you know, kind of on this topic, we tend to think that we're the exception to not even just our friend's advice or people who we can trust, but we think that we're the exception to God's word as well. We'll read things and if we agree with it, it's great. If we disagree with it, it's not so great. I, I, and it's so funny because that's what I hear from people. You know, we, well, what do you think about what this verse says? You know, I really need to pray about that. What are you going to pray about? I think God just said that. Yeah, it's you know, God's word. It's, right. Are you going to pray that you'll stop? You think being, he's going to give you a different answer? Are you, gonna, like... are you praying that you'll stop being a punk? You know, yeah. and say no to God? Yeah. That might be a good prayer. Yeah. But do, you don't have to ask for clarity about what it means. It's like when you go to ask your mom for something, and then you, you don't get the answer you want, so then you go oh, to you ask did. your dad. <laughs> Yeah, and you try to you read God's word, you get something you don't want. You try to go to God to talk about it. He's going to give you the same answer, man. And if he doesn't, you're not following God. That's I think the and I think that's a great litmus test for us again is man, if I haven't had something that I legitimately disagree with Jesus over in a little bit, I'm probably not following him. Because I just see people disagree with Jesus all the time and feel offended by what he has to say. Because I think if I'm really getting what he has to say, there's going to be some offense in me. Yes. And at a certain point, if I don't ever disagree with Jesus, I think I'm following me. I don't know that I'm following Jesus. If you don't disagree with Jesus on some things, you are in heaven or you didn't understand him. Yeah. Because he says things that are hard. 
And the Bible has things that are hard. So again, it goes back to this idea of who do you trust? Mm. And somebody sits in the auditorium every week and they, do you trust the Lord? Oh yeah, I trust the Lord. Well, you don't tithe. Oh yeah, I don't trust the Lord about that. Uh, you trust the Lord? Yeah, I trust the Lord. Mm. Uh, but <laughs> you're, you're not serving in his church. Oh yeah, I don't trust. You know, it's like, okay, if you believe in God, yeah. Raise your hand. Believe in God. You believe what he says. You believe he has your your back. He has your best interest at heart. Yeah. Then I, I'm not saying it's like, yes, sir, all the time. God never, Jesus never is afraid of the conversation. Yeah. He'll explain things to you. And sometimes it takes a while to figure it out, really understand what it means for you. But I mean, he... <laughs> He has the last word in every conversation or else you're not a Jesus follower. Yeah. And if you find those areas of disobedience in your life, those are areas where you just don't trust him as an authority. That's right. And I think that's a, that's such a great parallel between the advice that we take from friends to what we hear from God's word is, well, that really does depend on if I trust that friend. And man, if I'm going to obey God's word, the crux of that is actually, do I trust that he has my best interest in mind? And I think we've come to believe that it's almost as if there's kind of this like church narrative, it seems that like, we have no fun in this life, but we'll have a lot of fun in eternity kind of a thing. Almost like everybody else gets to enjoy life here on earth and Not we us. we don't get to enjoy anything and then we'll enjoy stuff in heaven. And I don't know where we got that from because kind of the whole basis of what we believe is that life is better with Jesus. Yeah. Not that we're missing out on something, but that we're getting the best. Like the good life starts now, not later when we get into heaven with Jesus. It's beginning right now that we get to enjoy the best of life, life in abundance. You think of that good shepherd imagery. Um, man, that's a huge difference than what I think we've come to believe is like, well, the world gets to have fun and we have no fun. And I think that's a root of distrust that we've got with the Lord. You, you use that line, the good life, you know, that we can live the good life now. Um, well, good doesn't always mean comfortable. Mm -hmm. and it doesn't always mean easy. Yeah. And so when we think, when I think of the good life, I think of the guy, I think of the guy, you know, on the beach, on the big island with his iced tea, his large iced tea. Yes. And with nothing to do. That's yeah. the good life. But that's not in the Bible. Yeah. I mean, there are times we have to go, times we have to go to Hawaii, times we have to go get away, wherever your Hawaii might be. It might be, you know, in, in your closet. I don't know. <laughs> get away from the kids. But there, we do need rest and we do need that peace. But generally, the good life is a purposeful life. It's a life that is, you know, we come to the fork in the road. Yeah. We have to make the right choice, not because it seems like it's going to be easy or we even know where it's going to lead. We just know it's right. Yeah. And we know the God who led us to that conclusion, again, has our best interest at heart. I do think that in this world, sometimes we feel like God doesn't have our back. Mm. And that's the crux of trust. Yeah. Does that individual have your back? Is he actually orchestrating whatever he's orchestrating? And in God's world, he's orchestrating a lot. Providence, again. Yeah. But if he's a providential God, and, and yet he has our best interest at heart when he tells us to serve, when he tells us to tithe, when he tells us to do all those things, honestly, Jackson, we don't even get. I mean, how can, and this is not, to solicit donations to yeah. the church. It's not what this is, but it brings up a good point. 
How can having 90, access to 90% be better than access to 100% when I got all these bills to pay? Oh, it just is. Well, how is that possible? I don't know. But God says it is. I trust him. Yeah. And if you're watching this and you've never trusted him in that respect, you might try it and see if I'm right. Yeah. The 90 will always go further than the 100 ever did. Yep. It's miraculous. You go to church, taking that day um, to honor the Lord, spend time with your family and not work. This is the principle of the Sabbath from yeah. the very beginning of time. Yeah. Just do that. You'll accomplish more, make more money, have a better business, get more done in those six days. Or in American culture, it's five. Yeah. But in the Bible, in those six days, then then you will in the seven. Yeah. It's it's a it's a God thing. And that's the difference. That's the real difference between easy and better, which I think we treat as synonymous. But uh, the good life following Jesus, it's not easier. It's better. And it's the safest life. Yeah. And, you know, that was the last shot yesterday. It was kind of a cheap shot. I think some people thought about California and moving out of California because that's what you hear so often. We can't move yet, but we can hardly wait to get out of California. Yeah. Well, if you can't move, then maybe God has a purpose for you here. Mm. And and yet it isn't as comfortable. The wind in the high desert is not the sleepy little snow drift in Idaho. Yeah. Um, it's different, and it's not the beach, and it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not. But it is where God called you. Mm. And I, I'm not uh, an expert on a lot of things. I spent 38 years in Victor Valley yeah. <laughs> as the senior yeah. pastor of the you church. Got, you, got a, many, you got a quarter on the market there. <laughs> as many blessings as that provided, oh, man, it's where God called us. Yeah. And uh, so. And there totally would have been, that's a great example, because there totally would have been easier places to be than the desert. A lot more comfortable. Yeah. But not better. Nope. And that, I think, even that example of this desire to, like, up and leave California and go somewhere else because it'd be more comfortable, that's a great example of that modern-day step up. Do you see any of those other spaces as you've been kind of thinking in the um, through the step-up lens in our culture right now that there are spaces that people could step up today? Yeah, well, step up in a conversation for what's right mm. and do it in a winsome way. You know, that's always the key. That saying what's right. The Christian church today says what's right in such a caustic way. Hmm. It's a finger-pointing way. It's a Turner, Turner, born, Turner burn yeah, yeah. kind of way. Yeah. And I would, uh, I would suggest that if we can just step up and say the right thing in a gracious way. But I think, you know, step-up's our theme, and it's obviously what the visual is that we're trying to figure out. Um, stepping up and accepting the mantle of uh, the call God's given us. But sometimes it's it's a call to step aside. Mm. Step up to God, step aside from the culture. Don't step back from it because yeah. we're in it. You, we're in California. Yeah. And if God's call is to leave, then God bless you. But as long as it isn't, you're in here. Yeah. So you're not stepping back, but you might have to step aside from certain elements of the culture and just say, yeah, I'm not gonna participate in that. Yeah. Because it's not good for me and I'm giving my money to what's not good for anybody. Yeah. And you even think about those, some of those conversations that you're talking about stepping up for what's right. You even look at Esther's example. She definitely does and says things that are right, but also that is the beginning point for all of that is listening 
And I think that's one of the things that the church is so bad at yeah. is we just want to tell people what's true and what's right instead of listening because generally there is something behind their worldview as incorrect as it is that comes from a pain or a concern yes. or something in their own life that man if we understood that we would be a lot more gracious in how we delivered the yes. truth yeah and that's a that's a bedrock to winsomeness is just being able to listen and take time to understand the person that you're talking to yeah and the more you listen the less likely you are to jump to conclusions yeah um, because you're hearing a story yeah there's always a story you got one I got one all God's children got a story and um, that's, you know, the word story and the word testimony. Mm. It's the same thing. Yeah. And when God said, you're going to be my witnesses, you're going to testify. You're going to tell your story. Not just quote verses about me, God speaking. Yeah. Although that's important in the narrative too. But God has, uh, God, God inserted himself in every one of our lives at some point in our story. And what was wrong became right. Yeah. And what was hopeless became purposeful. And uh, that that story is really important, and I. But you got to listen to people's story to really appreciate it. So that's a very good point. And it's about time we started talking more about how good God's been to us, right? Because yeah. a lot of times you get the here's the synthesized truth or here's what the Bible says. But man, can I just tell you how good God has been to me? Yeah. How kind He's been to me? I think that's entirely missing and is probably the most winsome part of our witness is how good he's been to us. And that, and again, that elevates the oikos idea because the oikos knows your story better than others do, at yeah. least pieces of it, enough yeah. of it. And so it's, uh, it's more um, impactful for them. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Pastor Tom. I appreciate the time as always. My pleasure. Yeah. And hopefully you got a tangible takeaway coming out of this weekend's message. As always, don't forget to uh, like the video, maybe share it with a friend and subscribe so you get notified for future videos. Uh, maybe drop a comment. Let us know what a tangible takeaway is that you've got from this weekend's message. Love you guys so much. We'll catch you next week on Tangible Takeaways.